This episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented to you by the SGPN Merch Store. Use promo code SGPNMBA to get 10% off everything in the store. Surprise, DGENs. If you are on Twitter this morning, uh, maybe you are surprised to see uh, my tired face uh, live streaming uh, to you. This morning. Maybe this is a terrible idea, but uh, I'm about to go on vacation. Uh, I am about to break up a trip on a drive down to the Outer Banks. Uh, single dad, uh, because my wife uh, is visiting a friend in Virginia Beach. So I have myself, I have my toddler, I have the dog. Uh, I have to pack the car today of all their stuff to make sure all of them don't go crazy. Uh, Pray for me today, but um, I also don't have an opportunity to uh, do the preview show uh, this weekend for you. Uh, we're staying in a hotel uh, in uh, West Virginia. Don't worry. Uh, it's not uh, Deliverance, West Virginia. Uh, sorry if there's any West Virginia uh, fans that listen to our show. Although looking at the download reports, I don't think there are anybody in West Virginia who actually listen to us. So I can say whatever I want about that state right now. Uh, that's not deliverance. West Virginia we're staying at. It's more, uh, commercialized West Virginia where people who are trying to get to I 95 from maybe New York or Pennsylvania stop and spend the night, uh, and go there. So we're staying there overnight and then we are driving to the outer banks on Sunday. So, uh, but being the hardworking SGPN, uh, independent contractor, uh, that I am, I wanted to give you the Mexico open preview, especially because this is a terrible field. It's actually somehow worse than I thought it was going to be. I did not have the high expectations. It's really bad. We'll go over the field in a little bit. Uh, we'll go over the golf course. We only have one year of it. Going to be honest, I was on vacation last year. Don't remember a whole lot of it. Uh, I'm not going to watch probably a whole lot of it this week either, but I look back at how the leaderboard was formulated, some of the approach shots they hit. We can talk about that. And then we'll talk about uh, some overall general batting strategies, what we'll be looking for this week, and maybe just guessing the odds. So um, with that, why don't we get right to the field? And, well, as you probably have seen, John Rahm is the big fish in this field. There's another guy who's pretty good. Uh, I think the only other guy who really presents a serious threat to Rahm is Tony Finau. Uh, Tony Finau played last year, too. He finished second. So, but otherwise, though, uh, I believe I saw this stat earlier that I think there are only nine of the top 100 golfers in the world are actually playing this thing. And actually, after Rahm and Finau, the next highest-ranked golfer uh, is Alex Noren. And to go from there, it goes Alex Noren, Andrew Putnam, Davis Riley, Gary Woodland, who's going to be really popular this week, uh, Wyndham Clark, also going to be really popular this week, Maverick McNeely, Emiliano Grillo. How the hell is he in the top 100 now? Uh, Brandon Wu. Or no, I'm sorry. Brandon Wu is not in the top 100. So it is just those nine players. In the top 100 in this field, a bad field, really bad. Uh, it's uh, if you're not gambling on this thing, it's probably going to be a tough watch. Uh, probably a good opportunity if it's nice to go golfing, do some yard work, all that stuff. Um, 
it is what it is. These guys have had to take a week off at some point. We have been on a slew of elevated events going all the way back to, um, I think Scottsdale was the first one. We've had a lot since then. We've had a major. We got another major in a month. This guy's got to take a week off at some point. Uh, I'm surprised John Rahm is here. I understand my co-host is infatuated with the guy and romanticized him about trying to grow the game in Mexico and doing all that. Fine. Kudos to John Rahm for showing up as a defending champion and being here. Um, Otherwise, though, uh, I have high hopes for him for the PGA. I was kind of hoping he would take a week off, you know, cool the Jets a little bit. Not going to do that. It is what it is. So uh, that's the field. Uh, I'll go over at the end of the show what I think the odds are going to shape out to be. It's pretty disgusting, to be honest, uh, what they're going to be probably for everybody past Rom and Finau. So before I get to the golf course, though, which is really why you're here, uh, why don't I take a quick break, and then we'll get right to it. All right, so this show, the Golf Game Podcast, is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NBA and NHL playoffs are here, and what better way to get down some player prop analysis than over at Underdog Fantasy? Besides daily NHL, NBA, and MLB games, they've also already got NFL best ball drafts with a guaranteed half million in prizes. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right, let's talk about the Donta Vallarta, the legendary great golf course uh, that it is. You probably can tell that I'm very tired and uh, very salty this morning based on uh, how we're going to be talking about this golf course. Probably maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you guys are going to be entertained with me uh, just kind of uh, crapping all over this thing. I'm not going to exactly crap all over it. It just, it's fine. Um, So the Mexico Open itself, though, this is a pretty old and prestigious event, at least it was prestigious. Uh, you know, it has its origins back to the forties. It was first played at uh, Chapultepec, which was the site of uh, WC Mexico a few years ago. Rest in peace. I always enjoyed that tournament. That golf course wasn't very good either, but I always seem to kind of enjoy that one. It always seemed to produce kind of a nice, like uh, good finish at the end, but over its history, it's uh, been, been on the Latin American tour. It's been on the European challenge tour, the corn Ferry tour. Uh, and you know, the Mexico open has a lot of really good winners over its career. Uh, Tony Lima, who, uh, tragically passed away, uh, after I think winning one or two major championships and have a, like nine or 10 top tens in like 14 majors. So very underrated golfer over, uh, history and tragically his life was cut short. You got Lee Trevino, Billy Casper, Ben Crenshaw, all masters winners. And then Stuart sink also uh, has won Mexico open. However, uh, starting last year, the 2022 uh, Mexico Open, they, the PGA Tour designated that as an official sanctioned PGA Tour event uh, for uh, 500 FedEx Cup points and all that jazz. So this is the second year of it, and it is going to be held in Vedanta Vallarta, uh, which is on the west coast of uh, Mexico on the Pacific Ocean. It is a Greg Norman signature course. Uh, it opened in 2016. It's on the banks of the Amica River, and you know, I mean, it's a very pretty golf course, much like Mayakoba is uh, pretty for uh, you know another Norman design in Mexico. Uh, this one's not as tight and tree lined. You know, Mayakoba is more feels like it's kind of going through a jungle. Here, it's definitely very resort course. Um, you know, pretty wide open. It's got some 
you know, a lot of palm trees, got a nice view of the Sierra Madre Mountains too, uh, very close proximity to the Pacific Ocean. A very flat piece of property too. There's very little elevation change. I think the highest elevation is about 19 feet, the lowest about 15. Very flat piece of property. I mean, that's usually typical for resort courses, especially in Mexico where, um, you know, you might get in a little bit of an older demographic, can't really handle a big walk. Um, you know, it's uh, nothing spectacular about the land itself. I think just going through Google imagery, I believe it was just a, uh, it was farmland across the river, across from the resort, and they built a bridge over to the, the golf course. It's, it's actually, I think, kind of far away from the resort there. Uh, it needed to be because it's a very long golf course. They need a lot of real estate uh, to do that. So um, for the golf, for the members, uh, or not the members, the resort guests, it actually plays the par 73. I think the back nine scorecard, I remember looking last year. I didn't look it up for this year, but um, it's kind of nuts. I think there's like like six par fives on the golf course. And I think starting at hole 13, it goes par five, par three, par five, par three, the rest of the way. Um, just, I guess Greg Norman didn't really want to have a whole lot of par fours uh, on the back nine here. But a couple of the par fives are going to be converted to some par fours. So it's going to be a par 71. Uh, it runs at 7,456 yards in the scorecard. However, I'll talk about it a little bit with the golf course in just a bit. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities to shorten it up based on some of the drive lines and, you know, uh, angles off the tee these guys are going to uh, be taking. So, um, you know, even after a year, there's not really a whole lot of information about the golf course. There's a couple of reviews on golf pass, uh, a couple bloggers who wrote about their experience with the golf course. Most of the uh, reviews on golf pass are pretty negative. I think they were pretty uh, upset about at least last year, how there was a quick turnaround to try and get this tournament ready uh, for PG tour play and a lot of holes are closed and there were some temporary greens and people were pretty upset about paying a whole lot of money to play this place. Whatever, man. Um, last year I did a hole by hole breakdown of each hole at Vedanta Vallarta to help you guys out. Just kind of how I would, well, how I would play this place is probably, I put, Oh, you know, I probably would shoot 102 here, but how I thought these guys are going to attack it. Uh, if I'm not going to go through hole by hole again this year, if you guys want a refresher, go look at last year's article. Um, I'm just going to cover, and I think just because, you know, it's early, I got to get going. I'm going to talk, talk about just the main points, um, of what you need to know about Vedanta Vallarta and the Mexico open to help you gamble. I'm not going to ramble all over the place. So the one thing that I think that I, I remember talking about this last year, I know Andy Lack, our good podcast friend, he also was on. Uh, this too, we were talking a lot about this tournament just uh, before last year, just kind of theorizing what was going to happen. We both felt that this is going to be a very driver heavy golf course and that length is going to have a big advantage here. And that's exactly what happened. We'll go over how the leaderboard shaped out last year, but pretty much up to our expectations, that's what happened. You can hit driver on every single par four or five. There's not really a whole lot of adversity on the golf course off the fairway. Um, you know, the rough is not all that penal. Uh, at this place, it's a resort course. You don't usually see a whole lot of thick rough, um, you know, inhibiting some of these uh, resort guests in tropical locations. The fairways are pretty wide between like 35, 40, 45 yards wide. You know, there's an occasional fairway bunker that'll be in the driving zone, but it's not overwhelming. There are a couple water hazards, but either on some of the holes, 
they're just way, way off where these guys are aiming and it would take an extreme miss or these guys aren't even aiming that way and they're hitting away from it. So, um, you know, I think on some of the par threes, there's some, uh, water, but overall though, I can only think of maybe one or two holes where these guys might have water coming into play with their drive. So, uh, you can hit driver pretty much all day here. Everything's right on front of you. There's not a whole lot of trees. Well, there's, there's palm trees, but not a whole lot of like thick trees where like you wouldn't be able to get a shot into the green there. So as long as guys just don't miss huge here, you know, you can just wail away at this place. And, um, you know, another thing to keep in mind too, and I think this is why this thing turned into a contest of uh, who can drive it the best is the past pollen. So past pollen is a very popular resort grass um, for a lot of Southern locate or a lot of locations near the ocean because it's very salt tolerant. Basically there's a lot of salt that's in the air from the seawater and the grass just, naturally absorbs uh, a lot of this you know the aerosols from uh, the ocean water and it can die it can damage the agronomy it, it can you know basically make the turf die i mean you can't pour salt water on grass and expect it to grow but past pollen is very salt tolerant so you know that's a very popular grass to use by the ocean it's very slow though uh once the ball hits the ground on past pollen it sticks like velcro um so you know Last year, you saw a lot of guys with a lot of length do very well at this place. I mean, it's about 7,500 yards. Guys who hit it a long ways and carry it pretty far in the air had a pretty good advantage at this place because they can get it a little closer to the green, a little shorter pro shot. Um, and then on the green, too, you know, it, it, once the ball hits the putting surface, it stops. Again, it's like Velcro. And, and not only is that pretty advantageous for uh, iron play, especially if you're a really good iron player, you can do very well in past pollen. You see, like Hovland uh, has won several times on past pollen. It makes it a little easier to get around up and down from around the green, too. And uh, part of it has to do with the fact that the ball sits up really nicely on past pollen. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not like Bermuda where it kind of lays flat and you got to kind of hit down and like really clip it really good. And past Palms is up just a fraction of a little bit where you can really easily slide the club underneath. I mean, resort guests love it because, you know, they struggle to make uh, ball first contact with their clubs. So having the ball kind of up a little bit in the, you know, in the fairway or around the green helps the guests kind of clip it. Well, the same thing can be said about a guy who kind of struggles around the green too. I mean, if you struggle with club or ball first contact uh, with your chip shots, you know, pass palm really helps you. So you can get clean contact. And, and then even if you struggle a little bit with your distance control at pass palm, because it plays so slow and the ball really sticks, it's not going to roll out very far. And I think that's why, a guy like Victor Hovland, who I'm, he probably should play this thing because he's great on pass Palm. I think four of his wins have come on pass Palm. Um, that's why a guy like Hovland, who struggles around the green, can find a lot of success because he's a great iron player. And when he hits the green, he's using pretty close proximity to the pin. And when he misses a green, the, his margin for error is a lot bigger on pass Palm. So, um, you know, that can be a big relief for guys who can struggle. Uh, around the green. So how, overall with this golf course, it's not special. I mean, I get on this show a lot and don't really have a whole lot of great things to say about Greg Norman designs. His designs usually are kind of one note, a little homogenous. They all kind of demand that guys drive it really well. 
Uh, Greg Norman is one of the best drivers in history. It's no surprise that a lot of his golf courses kind of demanded to drive it pretty well. But there's not really a whole lot of character with it, a lot, no uniqueness, not really a whole lot of strategy. Really is you get up to the tee, hit it straight, hit it long, similar looking greens, similar looking bunkers, not a whole lot of complexity of those either. I mean, the surroundings are really pretty. The resort is very nice too. I mean, it's got it's it's one of your typical all-inclusive Mexican resorts with a couple golf courses. So if you want to take the family, have a nice little vacation, maybe that's why some of these players are here. It's a you know excuse to get away. Um, it might be spring break week for a couple of their kids too. This is a great place to do it. But overall, for a PG Tour golf course, fairly forgettable. So why don't we take another quick break? And then we'll quickly go over betting strategies, just everything you need to know. So, all right. Uh, we are also brought to you by the SGPM merch store. So uh, in honor of the NBA playoffs from now until the end of April, get 10% off anything in the SGPM merch store when you use promo code SGPNNBA. So head over to store.sportsgamingpodcast.com and use the promo code SGPNNBA to get 10% off everything mentioned. And then, uh, you know, one of the things I really like, I'm going to bring this uh, to the Outer Banks of me, the Golf Gambling Podcast Polos. Uh, they're very comfortable, really good material. Um, they're very comfy, you know, out on the golf course. So, uh, definitely pick up one of those, uh, this weekend and, uh, yeah, rock it on the golf course. All right. Uh, let's get to betting strategies again, you know, in my articles and my article is going to come out probably tonight or tomorrow, uh, as my kid sleeps in the pack and play and I'm quietly, uh, editing this column to make sure she doesn't wake up. Uh, I, I'm not going through the full gambit of everything like historical scoring comparisons to other PG tour events, because there's only one tournament. So I don't think it's, it's too small of a sample size to kind of to make definitive conclusions about, Oh, well, the par threes are tough or the approach shots were, you know, X toughest of all PG tour golf course. Like it's only one tournament. You can't make a definitive conclusion, but what we can make definitive conclusions. And I, I I'm, fairly certain that this is going to stay constant this year is how the leaderboard shook up last year. It's probably going to be pretty similar to this year because I mean, the golf course hasn't changed. It's not a whole lot of strategy to it. I don't think it's going to create a lot of variance as far as who does well, and who doesn't at this place. Um, and that's the fact that off the tee last year, your performance in tournament was a huge cont- contributor to the variance and total strokes gain in the entire tournament. What does that mean? That basically means that the better you performed off the tee last year, the easier it was to separate yourself from the average player. And conversely, if you were driving it really, really poorly, you were going to suffer. You weren't be able to gain as many strokes on the field with some other attributes. And the way that players did that was mostly through distance. Uh, There was a lot of really long hitters who finished very well uh, up at the top of the leaderboard at uh, the Don Vallarta, Rom, Finau, Kirk Hideyama, Cam Champ, Davis Riley, Aaron Wise, Patrick Rogers. All of them are very long hitters. All of them, I think, average over 305 for the tournament. Now, there are a couple shorter guys like Brandon Wu and David Lipsky. They also did well. But they had a little bit of a tougher time. I mean, they they had to basically make up for it with good iron play, good putting. And that just, you know, it's a little harder to do at this place where it seems like off the tee was very important. So uh, this is a big stroke skating off the tee week as far as the type of profile you're looking for. Definitely shape towards uh, guys who are longer 
Now, I say that, and unfortunately, you're not going to get a whole lot of leverage doing that. Everybody's going to be saying the bombers, and I can, th- you know, there's plenty of examples of other long pass pile golf courses that typically favor um, guys who hit it pretty long. You know, a shorter guy can still do pretty well. They're like, you know, like Corrales, so Joel Damon is one. Graham McDowell has one. Brandon Grace is one there. So I think Adam Long has done fairly well at some uh, past Palom golf courses too. So you could find a guy who might just do very well on past Palom, uh, either putting on it, uh, maybe on some of the holes where they have to turn it into a three-shot hole. Maybe no one's been able to get there. You know, their wedge play can be good. Although I don't think that Vedanta Vallarta, any of the par fives are unreachable unless the wind is up. So, um, you know, you can find some leverage with it, maybe a shorter guy who just generally does well at pass Palom. But, and I probably, the way to do it would be um, through their iron play, which also was pretty highly correlated to how successful or not successful you were at the Mexico open last year. Uh, there was a higher um, um, rate of how well you did with your irons last year and how that contributed to your total strokes gain for the tournament versus the PG tour average. And, you know, that makes sense for a couple of reasons. Number one, I mentioned with the, with the past Palom, it's very sticky grass. If you are having a really good iron week, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of like unlucky bounces that you might be able to get from some of these approach shots, especially some of these greens are pretty flat too. not a whole lot of undulation to them. So uh, if you're hitting your irons pretty good, you can stick it pretty close to the green. So that's why iron play uh, definitely was a big diff- um, separator on the leaderboard last year, but also it's the type of approach shots too. And it was, it's a lot of really long approach shots at Bedanto Ayarta. Part of the reason why it's a long golf course, but also with the past palm, you're not getting any rollout uh, with your drives. So once it hits the ground, it might go maybe five, six, seven, eight more yards and then stop. That means your approach shots are going to be a lot longer. So uh, last year uh, there was an above average rate of approach shots over 175 yards from every single proximity category. I put these uh, charts from data golf into my article every single week. Uh, everything from 175 and up from every proximity range, you know, 200 to 225, 225, 250 to 250 plus had higher rates of approach shots from those distances, uh, especially 250 at uh, 17% of all their approach shots were over 250. Uh, I think that works out to about three and a half around. So all your par fives are pretty long approach shots, but even so, you know, a lot of your approach shots on the par fours and the par threes are pretty long too. And, you know, taking combined that even though there's less of a rate, uh, rate of approach shots from 150, 175, so 18% of your shots, it's the most uh, popular range you will be hitting from. That's 80% of all your approach shots this week in Mexico is going to come from over 150 yards. So, Whenever you get to a golf course like that, where there's a lot of really approach shots, it just makes the margin for error uh, with your irons a lot less. <clears throat> and it definitely can separate guys who are hitting their iron long irons pretty well versus guys who don't. So there are other golf courses you might be able to look at. I mean, we only have one tournament this year or one tournament under our belt in Mexico uh, to really look at. So if there's guys who have never played this place before, you, it's probably mostly the corn fairy guys. Uh, who graduated last year. Um, you know, there's a lot of other golf courses that you might be able to look at that um, 
value mid to long irons. So Augusta National, uh, <clears throat> Murfield Village, which a lot of those guys probably have not played there. Quail Hollow, which they're going to play next week. A lot of those guys haven't played uh, those golf courses yet, but those are all golf courses that value very long approach shot. Uh, Innisbrook, a lot of the guys in the field this week played Innisbrook. That's a golf course that also has a lot of approach shots, over 150 yards and over 175 yards, mostly with the par threes. Uh, Riviera, Torrey Pines, TBC Scottsdale, TBC Twin Cities, which probably a lot of these guys haven't played, but um, those are also a lot of golf courses where guys hit a lot of really long irons. And you can definitely see in that list, uh, based on who did well last year um, at this tournament, guys who did pretty well, um, you know, a lot of these other golf courses. So John Rahm has won in four of those venues I just mentioned. He's won at Augusta. He's won at Murfield Village. He's won at Riviera. He's won at Torrey Pines. Uh, he's done very well at TPC Scottsdale. So yeah, I think he's got a couple of top five finishes at Innisbrook. Really are those long irons. Ends up winning here. Uh, Tony Finau, he's won at TBC Twin Cities. He almost won TBC Scottsdale. Does really well at Torrey Pines and Riviera and Augusta National. So, again, Tony Finau does really well at all those places. I mean, he's a great player, but places where you really got to drive it very well and hit a lot of approach shot, long approach shots, he does very well. All right, Cam Champ uh, did very well last year at uh, Mexico Open. I always rip on him, but he won TBC Twin Cities. Got to drive it pretty well there, too, and hit a lot of longer approach shots. Now, there's a lot more penalty at TBC Twin Cities. I'm not really sure how you've managed to avoid all of that, uh, all of those, but that's a good crossover there. Davis Riley uh, did very well at the Mexico Open. Uh, had a good finish at Innisbrook. So there's definitely some crossover. You can take a look at those golf courses just mostly from uh, an iron standpoint, how you hit their irons in those places. Maybe that's what you should do. Maybe go to one of these uh, databases that, and just isolate your stroke gain approach numbers from all those places. Cause I mean, there's, there's differences with it as far as like, you know, the greens are different. It might value around the green play a little more in this place, but maybe look at how guys hit their irons at uh, these venues that might help you pick out some guys who might do pretty well here. Um, and then as far as around the green and putting, kind of like I mentioned, definitely we're not big contributors to how you were, uh, gaining strokes on the field. Um, so I'm sorry, I got a little distracted there. So, um, like I mentioned with around the green play, I think it with the past polymer kind of levels the playing field for everybody, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to screw up around the green chipping off the past polymer. And then with putting, you know, I I just think because ball striking was so important last year, either performance off tee and approach play, it's got to come some, from somewhere else. So probably putting. It, it definitely wasn't a putting contest. So overall, those are the way, that's what I'm going to be focusing a lot this week. Uh, off the tee performance, shading towards longer pl- players, guys who excel from over 150 yards, maybe hit their irons pretty well. Some of those other venues I just talked about. Uh, there's also, you can look at, how guys do a pass palm. I mentioned that earlier. There are four other golf courses we've seen in the PG tour that have pass palm. Uh, obviously there's the ocean course of Kiowa. That might not be the great, uh, a comparison because that was a major venue, but grand reserve, the Puerto Rico open, uh, El Camilion, Mayacoba, Corrales, great venues to look at because this is a very bad field. Most of the players in the field this week has played those venues a lot. And maybe that's an opportunity to find, you could find a shorter player who just does very well at some of those other golf courses. Like, for example, I mean, 
you know, we talk about driving just Puerto Rico open. That's a very long golf course. Corrales is really long too. And, you know, you got a driver pretty well. there. usually longer players having an edge at both those places. Yet there are shorter players who've done well there, probably because they hit their irons over 150 pretty good. Those might be something to look at. And then on the European tour, uh, I think there's a couple guys who are in the field this week that um, play a lot of Euro tour golf. I'm going to guess Dietrich's probably in the field. Maybe a couple of guards are in the field too. So some golf courses you can look at over the DP world tour, uh, Yas golf links. That's where the Abu Dhabi HSBC is played. Um, that's past Palm Alhamra golf club for the Raz El Camino classic. That's past Palm um, Doha golf club for the Cotter masters. That's past Palm Royal greens for the uh, Bonesaw classic, the Saudi international that's past Palm. Uh, and then uh, Al Muj golf for the Oman open. There's also a couple golf courses, uh, that they played and during COVID, they went to the Canary Islands, and those are past Palm. The uh, Golf Costa Deje uh, played two tournaments: played the Tenerife Open, the Grand Canary Islands Championship. I believe uh, Garrett Higo uh, won one of those and finished top five in another one, and he's a long hitter. Maybe it's Garrett Higo week. We'll see. So, because past Palm is not really a uh, grass that guys play a whole lot, you might want to look at some of these venues, especially some of the guys who. Uh, maybe are more, you see more on the DP world tour, uh, at least during the career, they look at some other European venues, but you know, overall, I think this is a pretty straightforward week. Um, I don't think there's really a whole lot of tricks to it. I think bombers are probably going to be popular, but you know, I mean, a lot of the guys hit it pretty long now and it probably comes down to, all right, first criteria. How well you do off the tee? Are you pretty long? Second criteria, how long do you hit your long irons? So that's probably what we're looking for this week. Uh, as far as how the odds are going to shape out, uh, I my producer seems to think that Rom is going to be minus 110, and I don't think he's going to be minus 110. There's actually kind of precedent for Rom going to a field like this that is incredibly weak. Uh, this is weaker than what it was last year. And... He's also playing great golf and he's playing against kind of bums. Um, anytime he plays some of those Spanish opens or the Valorama masters or Andalusia masters, you know, I mean, maybe I think he has like maybe Sergio or Fitzpatrick has his main competition. That's really about it. Here you got Tony Finau really as his own only competition, but in all those tournaments though, Rom was never less than plus two twenty five. And I think that's probably where he's going to settle. I think he's going to open plus two twenty five. I think, um, I think last year he was four to one, three to one, maybe. I think he's going to be less this year because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Finau was still a formidable foe. Uh, if he wasn't in the field, then yeah, probably I would say plus one twenty five at this point. I think plus two twenty five is where he's going to open at. Finau, I'm going to probably say eight to one. That's about where Fitzpatrick and Sergio was when. You have those Spanish masters and Andalusia masters that when Rom shows up, he's the big favorite. Uh, after that, though, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess Wyndon Clark is probably going to be, oh, God, maybe 18 to 1. Man, that's gross. Patrick Rogers probably will be in the 20s. Um, Woodland's probably going to be like 25 to 1. Aaron Rye probably will be 30, 35 to one because he's playing pretty well. Man, this field stinks. <laughs> oh, God. 
It's going to be bad. So as far as how I'm going to bet this week, I don't know. I Am I really going to single bullet Rom? I have Rom available in one and done, by the way. Do I really do I want to do I want to burn him this week for if he wins 1.2 million? I don't know if I'm going to do that because I think he I I I think he might win the PGA. I think he might go back to back. Probably another big money tournament. He's probably going to win later in the year too. Maybe Murfield Village. Maybe I save him for that. Um, I don't know. I have uh, an 11 hour drive ahead of me to think about who I'm going to bet. I have a couple days on the beach and the golf course. Uh, down in the Iron Banks, think about who I'm going to bet. Probably be making some bets on the golf court, golf cart, uh, with beer and sun. Uh, just get me there. So, all right. Well, that's it. Uh, if you watched early this morning, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you're just catching this uh, this weekend, hopefully I was able to provide you guys some uh, informative stuff. Um, I know it's not the full detailed preview of what you usually used to, but I think I hit on all the major points. And honestly, with this place, I don't think there's a whole lot of strategy to it as far as what you're really looking for this week. So with that, uh, good luck. Uh, if you're sweating, uh, live Adelaide or live Australia. Sorry if I butchered that. Um, if you're sweating a lib bets, uh, Taylor Gooch has a 10 shot lead. I bet Taylor Gooch. And if he somehow blows it, this is probably my last podcast. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I also laid a big bet on Cantley and Xander, the Zurich just for um, top 10. So I caught a bad price. Uh, I was pretty upset about how they did uh, first round. They came back with a vengeance last um, yesterday. So hopefully that catches might end up being a pretty good week. Uh, give me a little bit of spending money for the vacation. Um, Facing some results. So hopefully Gooch can not blow a 10 shot lead, not pull a double Russell Henley, as I would like to call it. Uh, and hopefully Cantley and Xander can continue to do well this week. And we'll see. So with that, uh, good luck with your bettings or sweat any bets this week. Uh, and good luck forming your Mexico open card. 